Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World Late Night. It is Wednesday, December 3rd, 2014. We're going to be uh, doing a kind of a short show tonight. It's, it's going to be uh, me, and I'm going to interview Anthony Davis uh, about his new book, as well as uh, the USC Notre Dame game, because it was the 40th anniversary of the, the time that he and the uh, Trojans had that huge comeback uh, down, I believe, 24-6 at halftime and went in the uh, I think it was 55 to 24, so we'll get a chance to talk to him about that, as well as some of the other things going on in pro sports this week. So we, uh, we look forward to that. Next week, back on the show, back on our regular schedule, uh, in studio with us will be Black Belt Karate, a good band that uh, we were supposed to have a couple weeks ago, but we had to do some changes. So we'll look forward to having them next week, and, of course, the whole crew will be back next week. We're going to take our first break and then come back and get AD on the line. You're listening to Swoops Road on the Talk Story Radio Network. And uh, what are we going to listen to? This is Michelle Mangione. Once, oh, I need to mention that uh, Monday, uh, Friday, Friday night at, uh, I believe, 7 o'clock, we'll be on uh, broadcasting live from First Fridays here in Long Beach and Bixby Knowles. Uh, we'll be joining Michelle at the uh, First Friday's event that she holds uh, every once in a while at the Mirage uh, Mediterranean Grill. So we'll be uh, broadcasting live from there Friday night. And this is Michelle. This is called I've Become. Back after this. Just another day With my conscience in tow I got lost, twisted around It's a long, long way to a higher ground Keep your eyes on the Come, my mother. 
at the scene where you walk like Magdalene. If you paid for the crime, don't look back, take it in stride. Take a nice long walk on the sunny side, cause you know that it's time. I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I, I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <laughs> Psst. Hey, over here, behind the fence. Huh? You? The bike? Yeah, the bike. Here in the grass where the kids left me a while ago. Could you get the dust off my seat and remind the kids how fun I still am? Okay. Oh, you are dusty. I may need my spokes tightened, too. Let's go. As Native American parents and caregivers, our encouragement to healthy lifestyles for our kids is helping them get outside and play. Get ideas. Get involved. Get going at letsmove.gov slash Indian Country. Brought to you by USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, this is Sean Paul on the Wall, and you're listening to Swirl. And welcome back to Swoop's World, and we're going to give Anthony Davis a call and uh, see if we can get things started here.
Good evening. Welcome to the show. Anthony Davis. We always happy to have AD on the show. Also known as the Notre Dame Killer, five-time NCAA champion at USC in baseball and football. And he played professional football in the USFL, the CFL, the NFL, and the World Football League. How you doing, man? Doing fine. Oh. You really roll that off, don't you? <laughs> hey, you know, there, you have so many credentials. I, I could keep going, but we're going to stop there. How's that sound, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's good enough. That's good enough. <laughs> oh, plenty to talk about, and we have the time to talk about it tonight because it's just the two of us. So uh, let's just get, let's get rolling here, man. Uh, first thing first, uh, your book has come out. It is called Kickoff Concussion. How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain. It, it is out now, and people can pick it up on uh, lulu.com. Tell us a little bit about the book, A.D. Well, first of all, you know, uh, I uh, can just give you a little background on the book and how I started it. Of course, a lot of people don't know I had a gastric bypass seven years ago, or eight years ago now. And after I had my gastric bypass, I had a guy by the name of Don Bockles. He's been a pharmacist. At Cedar Sinai, he was a pharmacy major at USC. He took pictures of me, knew knew about my career. He said, "Did you ever get your brain scanned? Because you know you've taken some hits, physically and professionally. I'm sure you did in high school, but definitely professionally." And he said, "You know how many concussions have you had?" I said, "Well, I think I've had a couple. One, I definitely knew I was diagnosed with one." And then he said, "You know, you need to see a guy by the guy by the name of Doctor Daniel Amen, and Amen Clinic." I said, come on, nothing's wrong with me. He said, hey, you need to check it out, I'm telling you, because uh, this concussion thing is a big deal. And so he arranged and set things up, and I went to Dr. Amen. Of course, he scared my brain, found a concussion I knew I didn't have. He said, you've had three. And then he said he diagnosed my brain as being an 85-year-old brain. Wow. And I was shocked to hear that. I said, this man's lost his mind. So... Uh, I got a rescan after I went on the supplement program, which I've been taking religiously for seven years, and the improvement's been astonishing. And uh, and we rescanned it, and my brain was rehabbed. You can rehab your brain, but you have to really do it, and you got to do it religiously. So that's what prompted that's what prompted me to do this book. Yeah. And he also wrote the Ford in the book. And out of, out of 115 NFL players that he scanned, I was the first guy. And uh, and he he sees up enough. He calls me the father of his brain study, which that NFL study is a published published medical. It's in a published medical journal. If you go to Amen Clinics and look up Dr. Amen, you'll see that 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 journal pop up of all those 115 so NFL players. And I was the first guy, and when I started the study. Yeah. And uh, I talk about certain situations and different deals. And, you know, I encourage people to go read it. It, it, it talks about many things through my life, too. And it's concussions, but also it's a menu of a lot of things that I've been through in my life. And pretty it's a, it's a retake on what I've been through through my whole life. But it, but it starts off with the concussion thing, and we thought that was fitting to do that. And that's, that's how I started. Wow. You know, concussions uh, were, have been in the news a lot, but uh, very much so this week uh, with the uh, the suicide of uh, the Ohio State football player. I believe his name is Costa Kara George. Uh, and he said that he, his family said, you know, when he was missing, that he had a lot of mental issues uh, based on uh, concussions uh, from sports that he's played over the years. And I think this may have, may have contributed to uh, 
you know, him killing himself. Uh, did you, you, did you follow this at all? I followed it, and I totally agree with the with the assessment of the of his of of, of, of the, the sad tragedy of what his parents did said about their son and relatives. And as, and I can tell you, as a former player, and what I've learned through the Amen Clinic and through doing this book, that that definitely contributes to what is happening. And then you know, I can name some notable players who who had serious uh, head concussions. Let's start off with Dave Durson. Chicago Bears who committed suicide, Andre Waters who committed suicide, uh, Mike Webster uh, who 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 they discovered the ETC Amazon, and then of course you got Junior Seau. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and there's other players who had the same similarities and stuff that you don't even hear about. So absolutely, that contributed to what happened to him. You know, I know he probably had high high levels of ETC uh, uh, in his brain. When so you... I mean, you know, when you, when you have, like I've told, like I've told, you know, I tell people all the time, and when I talk to people, when you when you put a helmet on your head, there's brain trauma. Now you might not have a direct concussion, but every time you hit, that shakes that brain. And that brain shakes. That's just that's traumatic to the brain. And no one who puts a helmet on their head escapes that. And, you know, and I know a lot of mothers. And parents are concerned about their kids playing football now because of the high uh, spotlight people put on concussions. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, it's a great game, but it's a dangerous game. So people have to be really focused on the fact that that's what it is. I mean, that's a high collision game. Even if you don't get hit in the head, you get tackled, and that head shakes. Guess what? That's right on that brain. It's like an egg yolk. It moves around. I don't care what you put around your head. When you get hit in the head, there's, there's no coming back. I mean, and, and, and this in, ter- and this in, in the whole category of, of brain trauma, and, and let, let me start off with, let's go, and this is what I've seen. You see the soldiers coming back from war. Those are not trained, but the, the injuries they have with their brain. Right. That is the highest of the high. Then you get into boxing, the highest of the high. Then you get into football. Then you get in that MMA fighting, soccer. That's one of the things uh, I, w- I was I was reading uh, recently, and they were saying that you know a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of concussions in soccer. And apparently, um, the the article I was reading, the the girls are ending up with more more of the concussions in soccer than the guys are. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and those headers those guys do, they take their toll too. And then all of the conclusions you get in soccer, too, even though they don't have the uniforms on, but they take they take serious energy. And, I, and, I, and it's debatable whether you can, you can say about girls versus the boys or the guys versus the women. It, but, but, it's, but it's very traumatic either way you want to choose. Mm-hmm. And you go on down a, a, a brain trauma, you know, so with the sport. But, I mean, of course, in sport, the leading one is football. Football is no joke. It's and you know my biggest and my biggest hope, my biggest thing about the NFL lawsuit about concussions. The reason why I didn't participate in it is because I realized that I made a mistake not playing baseball instead of playing. What I know now is a football player, a former NFL player. What I know now, I never touched the football field. For what I know and, and what what the results would be. So so if I was to do it over, believe it or not, it would be no Notre Dame killer. 
<laughs> I was playing Major League Baseball, being a top draft pick by the Baltimore Orioles in 1971, and then have Tony come out of USC after my third national title to play with the Minnesota Twins. I didn't do it. That's my biggest mistake professionally. And when I left the game at 28, pretty much, 28, 29, I knew I had made a mistake in not playing baseball. Yeah. Well, the long the longevity in baseball, you know, nothing, you know, besides like concussions and stuff, just the longevity of that sport. Uh, I think a lot of guys who actually make it to the to the big leagues uh, tend to play a, a lot more years than you can play in football. I think what's the, the what's the average professional football player play about five years? The break it breaks down uh, the, from position to position, but overall, I guess it's five. But running back is two, two, yeah. two and a half, three. And it breaks and, and it varies from position to position. Wow. So I mean, you know, but the average is five. I would say if you make it that far. On average, it's interesting because uh, you know we, we're always shocked. Uh, at least I was always shocked when I'd hear about uh, some of these linemen. I forgot the guy's name. Jackie Slater. He played twenty years, uh, you know, pro ball. And, uh, and the guys on the line who actually take a lot of punishment there too. Seems like a lot of those guys actually play a lot longer. Well, I mean, you know, they do play longer, but still the damage is being done. I mean, every time they hit a head, hit those helmets, hit those, when those 300 pounds or 290 pounds, when they hit each other, that's trauma. I mean, of course, the biggest, the big, the guys who take really the most of trauma as far as I'm concerned is the linebackers and running backs. But everyone who puts that line, that, that helmet on, you don't escape it. Even the quarterbacks don't escape it. Right. But the loss of the line, it's like every little hit adds up. And Jackie said, I'm concerned about Jackie. I've been trying to reach out. It's funny you said about Jackie. I've been trying to reach out to Jackie, you know, to go see Dr. Amos just to get diagnosed, see where he, how his brain is functioning. But I haven't been able to contact with him yet. I, I hope to one day soon, you know. I uh, I heard a doctor uh, uh, speaking once, uh, I believe it was about last year or maybe the year before, who stated that uh, – the guys on the line, uh, uh, you know, during the course of a game, the amount of the, the amount of pounding that they take uh, on the interior line there is equivalent to two or three minor car accidents a day. You know, it's uh, the collisions, like, like you said, the linebackers and the running backs too, because these guys are coming with a full head of steam. The collisions yeah. out there are, you know, when you start putting them in in perspective. Uh, you know, I mean, as a fan of the sport, you know, we love to watch it. But when you put it in perspective with what you guys were doing with your bodies, there, there's some serious trauma going on there. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, it varies from player to player. You know, it, 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 it's, it's everybody. Everybody's different on how much trauma, how you traumatized. You can put you can't put a level on what it, but everybody gets traumatized when you, when you collide like that through four quarters of the game. And you're, you're doing it 10 years. Something. Fifteen. The guy's been playing football since twelve or twenty-eight. Right. Look at Junior Cell. He's been playing over thirty years in football, from from the youth to the end of his career. He played nineteen years in the National Football League. You can't do that. Not what I know now. You just can't do it. How do these? So, I mean, when you, go back, when you go back to the line and the line play, those guys bang each other. They're in the trenches. They bang and they bang and they. Bang. I mean, they're like grinders. You know what I mean? They're like they're like uh. How can I put it? It's like a piston going in the engine. It's going up and down, going up and down. With the running back, it's like it's like a long jar. It's like running from the end of the truck to the front of the truck and making collision. 
Well, the linemen, they're just constantly grinding, and every once in a while you'll get a major hit. But those guys are really grinding away the whole four quarters. I always wonder how these, these smaller guys, like these slot backs, I mean, guys like uh, Welker and Edelman and uh, the smaller guys that are going across the middle, uh, you right. know, they're exposed and they're taking some major hits. I, how do these guys uh, survive a lot of those hits, I wonder? Well, I don't know how they survive. I mean, yeah, they survive it. I've seen them. I've watched it all in my career. But I can, I can tell you the thing that I was concerned about watching Wes Welker, who has, he had, well, he had three concussions in a matter of nine months. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's serious stuff. And, you know, and if he's had three, that means he's had even more and they weren't even diagnosed. So if I was this man, as soon as I get out of pro football, I'm going to get my brain scanned and get in the hyperbaric chamber, and he should be getting in the hyperbaric chamber now. And and one thing that, that Dr. Amen has is what he's trying to promote. And I don't know why the natural bullet doesn't embrace this man, because he's the only one that has a comprehensive program about a supplement program than anyone in the country. And I don't know why they don't embrace him. So the bottom line is, we're advocating, I'm advocating to the National Football what they, they should embrace this supplement program. And if you're going to get your brain kicked in while you're playing football on all college or whatever, you should be on a supplement program, and they should be on his program. And I can tell you, I've improved tremendously in the last seven years on this program. And if these guys are in that could start on this preventative program, and when they come out of the game, at least they'll be on a program where they can, you know, prolong their life and have some quality life. Right. I mean, what is what if the force? What if you're a two-time Super Bowl, three-time, four, whatever it is, and you can't enjoy your post-life of football? You got to worry about putting a bed on you, and somebody taking care of you, pushing you around in a wheelchair, and you you die prematurely before you're 60 years old or in your 60s. Because you know the average age of an NFL player is 58 years old. Wow, that's the no, average age. I did not know that. Well, you know now, and everybody else listening knows that. So the deal is. That's one of the things that, that, that I promote, and I know that Dr. Amy would love to talk to the, the powers of being in the NFL. This is a program that can help your product, protect your product. Right. If these guys are building your product, you, 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 you made $10 billion last year, protect the, protect the guys who build the product. Pre, post, guys who played or retired, those guys are all part of the, the brand. Protect your brand. And with the outcome of this lawsuit and stuff, and what, and what I advocate is that, you know, don't, don't go for the cash settlement. I mean, you can get a little bit of the cash, but you need to get lifetime medical. Right. That's, that's the optimal, and that's what they should have, lifetime medical. Because, you know, these guys have habits. Some guys have a drinking problem. Some guys have a drug, drug problem. And, you know, whatever little money, they get 4,600 guys sued. So if you break that down with a seven dollars million settlement, which I think I think it granted it, that's, I think that comes out to fifteen twenty thousand 20000 per player. If that, well, if you have a habit, <laughs> <laughs> that ain't gonna last too long. But if you have, but if you have lifetime medical, these guys need insurance because they got an outside of the brain issue. They got joint issues. They got everything. Right. You know. So, so they need lifetime medical, especially when it, especially when it comes to the. The, 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 the trauma of the brain. I mean, they really need to stay on top of it. Because it's pre-Alzheimer's, you get Parkinson's, you name it. You know, you, anything that these guys do, but you can get a stroke. So I believe you seriously have to monitor your post-NFL days. And that's one of the reasons why I was 
so intrigued in doing this book because I want people to know. I'm not just missing things up, but I think I'm the uh, the only player, former player, who's actually done it doing this book. I've done this book. What, um, you know, you said that uh, you can rehab your brain and, and you know, and, and you've done so, you know, playing a devil's advocate. A lot of people know that some things are good for them, but they don't want to put in the effort. Is Was it a lot of work to do so? Is it, I know you said you had a whole supplement regime. Uh, was it a lot of, you know, was it a lot of, did you have to make a lot of changes in life to do so? Because a lot of times people know what's better for them. Uh, and they know what they need to do. It's just like smoking. You know, people know, know that smoking is bad for them, but, uh, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to stop. Uh, so, you know, is, is it a similar thing? Look, it is work, but see, but I've, I've you know, look, one thing that I've taken away from football from you is it develops discipline. So what I do, I take the supplements religiously every day. Every day. I mean, I think it's become a psychological thing. Well, you you didn't see it, Keith, but I carry, I take a I carry a Nike bag with me with all my supplements in it because one time I forgot my to take my bag up north. I had to do autograph session, and I forgot my supplement, and I felt the effect of me not having my supplement in the earlier days. Right. So I take my bag everywhere I go, just in case I'm caught somewhere. I don't know if I'm gonna get back to work, to my home or whatever. I might just stay somewhere. I keep my bag with me. I travel with it every day. Right. And, uh, and and I'm I'm telling you I've seen the difference, and you know doing radio and doing reading, you know stuff like that. I mean you gotta you have to get that memory, you gotta remember stuff, and I'm very I'm very focused. And I do you know, I do read a lot. I do read. That's a good exercise for you, and uh, keep your senses sharp. And that's what I try to do. But I'm telling you, it's been an amazing thing for me, and that's the reason why I'm glad my late friend Don Baco, who's passed away now put me together with Dr. Amen and down the road I did this book. Excellent. Uh, the book is available on lulu.com and you can go there. There's a link to it on our uh, on our homepage. Uh, if you go to where you see Anthony Davis uh, on Swoops for All, today's date, December 3rd, 2014. If you uh, go into that article there, there's a link. It'll take you right to the page to, to the book. It's called Kickoff Concussion, How the Notre Dame Killer Recovered His Brain. Speaking of Notre Dame killer, Notre Dame, this is the 40th anniversary. You know, before we get to that, I, I got to ask you something. I, you know, recently, you know, I found out, uh, you know, the, I say recently in the last couple of years, you know, you're a five-time national champion uh, in, right. uh, in, you know, in, in NCAA Division One, And I've kind of looked around, and I, I can't find anybody else who's got those kind of numbers. Do you know if any other individuals who've got, uh, who've been, you know, five-time national champion, four-time national champion? No, I mean, you know, I, you know, his one teammate was on four. It was uh, Marvin Cobb who played the Cincinnati Bengals. He was on two with me, and he's on two in football. But I'm the, I'm the only, and and, and, I, and, and how I found out was through uh, uh, Professor Graham Morger, who I made a couple of speeches at his college years ago. That he realized, you realize you're only, the only five-time national champion all in both sports. I said, no, that can't be. First of all, what popped in my head was Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. Right. But they were not. They were not on five national titles. Wow. And I didn't. I didn't believe it for, for years until look. You're the only five-time national champion in, in, in history, collegially and at USC. No one's ever done it. And it, it just took me back. How can that be? But I guess, I guess it's the truth. <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, and I, you know, I mean, I know those guys, 
you know, I know it was one other guy that was on uh, on, on five titles, but he was not he was not a All American. He was not a starter. It was a guy by the name of Rob Adolph, who played second base, a backup second baseman, and he was a backup quarterback on the team, his football team too. Wow. But but in terms of starting on both teams and being All American, no, I'm the only one who's ever done that. That's amazing. Um... Forty. It's uh, today. This this past weekend was the fortieth anniversary of the big comeback. Uh, you guys went down six nothing. I think you you scored a touchdown before the before the half, and then uh, you came back and ran one back, one hundred and two yards, and got things rolling. You guys ended up winning uh, fifty five to twenty four. Uh, they never scored after the sec- after the first half. Um, and this year, the, the the Trojans went out and and, and put up some big numbers. Uh, tell us about what the what the what the what the vibe was like. Uh, you know, with the with the fortieth anniversary, and uh, what you thought of the game. The vibe was great. You know, uh, you know, I don't I don't go too many games these days, but uh, I was in the stands. I was uh, with the company called Regency Outdoor Advertisement, who who graciously put up boards with me all over town. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank them for that. That was that was wonderful. And uh, I just watched the game, and, you know, people were talking about TV. You think, you think uh, Notre Dame can have a miraculous comeback? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they can reverse it. But, no, what it was, you know, you know, you know being down 24 to nothing, going into halftime at 24-6, and you know history and stuff. And, you know when when you when you when you're playing in a game of that magnitude, Notre Dame was ranked number one. We were ranked three. Notre Dame was number one defensively in the country. I think number two offensively. You know we go into halftime. We you know I was beat up in the first half, and we couldn't do anything right. We thought we had a tight game plan. So at halftime, you know Coach McKay brought us back together. He says, "Gentlemen, we're not playing so well." Well, hell, we knew that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and then, then, he, then he recites how he was coaching his team in, in, in uh, 1964, and they was down 17 to nothing, and they came back and won 20 to 17. He says, "Look, if we can come back in 1964, if we can come back and win 2017, we can come back." And by the way, I'm looking at the guys, and you know, that's all nice and good what you're saying, but we're talking about the number one team in the country, and we're talking about these guys are unbelievable defensively. Yeah. And he's walking back and forth. He's pacing at halftime. He goes, uh, they're going to kick the ball to AD, and he's going to bring it all the way back. And I said, I know he's lost his mind. There's no way that's going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. So, you know, uh, we got ourselves together. I went on the football field, and I had my kick return. I said, listen, because we had never lost in the Coliseum in my whole career that season. Wow. And uh, I told the guys, you know, I said, if these people, if he kicks to me, all I want you to do is just block one man, and I'm going to try to get good field position. That was our philosophy, just getting good field position to have a shorter field so we can have, you know, so we can have quality plays on offense. Longer the field, the tougher the, you know, the tougher it is to get, to get into the red zone. Right. So I saw the guy tee it up. I said, well, this guy is really going to kick it to me. So he actually kicked it off, and he kicked it out of bounds. So in college football, he sort of kicked it away, and then he kicked it out of bounds. And so he, it was a penalty then. He, they took it back five yards. He teed it up again. I said, this guy's going to actually kick it. So this time, he kicked it directly to me, directly to me, end over end, perfect. And he had a strong leg because he, he put it two yards deep in the end zone. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, you're two yards deep in the end zone. You you didn't consider taking a knee? No, <laughs> I was I was a daredevil. You know, as you know, in, in the same that same year, I brought back one uh, against Arkansas, 106 yards. And you know, we needed to do something because we got beat 24 to six. <laughs> <laughs> but I was only scoring the game on the road. So uh, what happened? He kicked over in over in. And I had my guys in front, my wedge and my blockers. And I sprinted to the middle. I saw a lane to the left. I broke to the left. Then I saw the, I saw the flag at the end zone. And that's all I was kind of looking at that flag. I said, I got to outrun this, this angle. And I went 102 yards. And what's ironic about that game, everybody was on their feet for the whole third and fourth quarter. Yeah. We scored 17. We scored 49 points. In 17 football minutes, wow. it was another game. Another game. I mean, that's the greatest game I've ever been involved with. Clearly, clear professor, and I've never seen anything like that in college football since. I, re I read somewhere in an article that you were quoted as saying that uh, you know, even 40 years later, everybody remembers remembers the uh, the, the, the 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 kickoff touchdown, the the, the 102 yard. Run back, and they don't. He says, "You." Uh, I think the the writer said uh, something alluded to the fact that they don't remember anything else. They remember that you guys made came, made that big comeback and everything, but everybody remembers that uh, that, that opening the second half touchdown. Yeah, and you know, with this with this uh, modern day technology now, it's on YouTube, and all the young kids can see it because I run the kids. And they talk about the hundred two yards, but they see it on YouTube all the time. So <laughs> that's all people talked about, and they, and people constantly remind me of it. I mean, that's. Just, Forty years in, people are still talking about it. And the guy, one guy, said to me, he says, "Listen, Anthony, there, there's some athletes that have sports moments, and you have a few of them." He says, "This is like the home run with Kirk Gibson. That's a, a, a dramatic thing. when yeah. he came off the, he was hurt and limping up the bench, and he hit that home run to do for the dog. That's a great sport. What you did against Notre Dame, and, and that." That's that your sport. That's your sports moment. You know, you have a, a few others, but that's what people really know you for. Yeah. You had to set time in 72, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But they're going to remember you for the 102 yards. And, until, and the guy can see was really articulate. He says, until someone in, your, in another team along with you and what you did, when someone in another team does what you and your teammates did, they will stop talking about you. They got to either emulate that or go beyond that. And then we'll stop talking about it. Until then, get, get, get ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's a diehard USC fan. So, uh, so I, I put it in proper perspective for me. Yeah. So I have to go with it. So I, that whole Saturday, I reminisce of 74. I saw what the Chosen did this weekend. I know a lot of people up in the stands when I was in the show just watched. You know, we both teams really didn't, you know, uh, especially Notre Dame wasn't really into it. And, I, you know, I wouldn't say that. I mean, when you get on the field, you want to play. But some people believe that they really lost it after the first two or three touchdowns. So they, you know, but, but you know, I guess the children put a good game plan together and uh, took care of the Irish. But a lot of people feel that this is this an average season on both sides. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, uh, when you talk about NCL, NCAA football, Division One football, and 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 uh, programs that are known to to uh, to produce a lot a lot of wins and a lot of championships and things like that, 
Um, and you coming from a school, you know, you're an alumni from a school that has what we call a storied program. This week, right. uh, Nebraska fired Bo Pelini. Now, Bo Pelini, from I understand, he's one of the few coaches that won an average of nine games, like the first seven seasons or whatever long, whatever long it is. He's he's won nine games each year. He's coached there. Uh, but yeah. that's not enough. That it's not enough, uh, you know, for these bigger programs. Uh, what are your thoughts about guys like that? You know, having winning seasons, and is it the alum? Is the pressure from the alumni? Is it pressure from the uh, the athletic department? Uh, where does all that pressure come from when you guys have guys that have consistently winning seasons, but it's just not enough? It's not they're not getting over the hump like they're expected to by uh, you know the, the local sports writers. First of all, Nebraska is a story. Is a story. Uh, Program. I was recruited in Nebraska by Tom Osborne. I think whoever the powers be ignored at that Nebraska, they're a little, little delusional. Because anytime somebody wins nine, you might not like the way Bo Pelinci's personality might be. He might be not a good image for this group. I think they might have got tired of the way he very volatile on the, on the sideline. But he, listen, he's a good coach. He knows football. But if you win nine games, if you win nine games, that means he's not too far away from doing well and doing successful. I think that was a mistake on uh, Nebraska's part. Now you got to bring a whole new coach in there, a whole new coaching staff, a whole new so-called system. You've already went from the – you left the Big 12 to the Big 10, and that was all about business. Then the other thing you got to be you got to be concerned and considered about is the fact that, you know, a lot of people ain't going to Nebraska. A lot of people ain't going to Lincoln. Right. It's hard to get them top white and black after you go to Lincoln. Just like one of the problems that they have in Notre Dame in South Bend. Now, how many people want to go to South Bend, Indiana? Unless you want to get to a great education, which is a great academic school. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a great academic school. But the, but the, the issues are now with these kids now, they, they, they want to go to a large city. They want to be able to have a team that they know that's going to be there all the time. You know, and then, you know, these kids, they like the flash. You take like the organs with the uniforms and this and that. These kids today is a whole nother, a whole nother deal. And, 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 and if I'm making a decision in Nebraska, I'm not getting rid of him. Now, if he's losing, if he's like, you know, 2-10 or 3-9 <laughs> or 4-8, or and eight, I mean, hey, come on now. Uh, that's unthinkable. I mean, that means you can't. But, but, but I see that he has this guy ready to play every weekend. Now, you've got to go in and you've got to change the whole culture there in coaching. And you got to bring, you got to try to recruit. You see, he had a he he has a he had a brand there with Nebraska. Now you're gonna jump ship and change when you've already jumped out of a conference into the Big Ten, which your whole your whole concentration is beating Michigan and beating Ohio State. And now you sitting around here with Minnesota, you got Wisconsin. Right. So the board of trustees and the powers be, you know, you you might have made a mistake. What is it? <laughs> now, now the guy. If you get a guy that can come in there and do better than nine, that's a lot of pressure. Right. Remember, you got you're changing the system. You're changing a terminology system in football because it becomes academic now because you got to reteach the system. And that's the problem. That's the struggling problem SE's having in any of these schools who change programs. You know, you see, you see Coach Strong down in Texas. You know, he's a good coach. But he's got to change, and he's got to get the system going where everybody knows where it comes second nature. See, when you get a Division One, even in the pros, it becomes academic. 
People don't get that. Well, he's this, he's that. Well, hey, he's trying to emulate his system. And you got to give a coach a time for a system. So, Nebraska, if you're listening to me, <laughs> better get this next new coach a good five years to turn it around. And don't and don't get ready to talk about firing the first two or three because it's going to might take you that long to get that system going. Oh, and by the way, while you're recruiting, you better try to get in L.A., you better try to get in Texas or Florida or Alabama and get some of them people out of Florida State or Alabama or University of Texas or Texas or in both USC and UCLA. That's going to be a task for somebody at Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. Even though it's been a story program, you better watch. If you're jumping ship with a coach, you better make sure that you understand the long run of how you can affect it. When you're talking, that's you, my take on that. Yeah, when, when you're talking, uh, you know, uh, collegiate football, you're talking basically small teenagers. So, what does it do to a kid who is being? Re- I mean, no, there's nothing guaranteed. But you, you, you go to a program because you've been recruited by a coach that you you connect with and you like, and you know he's got a great sales pitch or whatever it is, and uh, you're there that first year, and then they uh, you know they switch coaches. I know that can happen anytime, anywhere. But uh, how do, how does the, how does the recruit feel? I mean, I think you probably had the same coach the whole time, but I'm sure you went to professional teams uh, expecting a coach, and there's a coaching change. How, how does that work for the the psyche of of a, of a kid who's 18, 19 years old? Just take me. If you if you got a freshman this year, it's, it's since we're talking about in the bathroom, if you have a freshman and you have a, if you have sophomores and just getting the heart of your team, you have sophomores and juniors, and you come in and all of a sudden you have a new coach and you switch stuff, well you lose those sophomores, juniors. I mean you got to reteach the system. That's what that's that's the impact. Yeah. But see, here's the thing that I that I try to advocate to high school kids and to parents if they, if I'm approached, I said listen. Whatever school that you're interested in, where you're going, you got to take academics first. That's what I preach, academics first. If something goes wrong in the football program, if you get hurt or something goes wrong, you got to go to that school that you know is going to give you a future for your academics and then everything else. Because you never know what's going to happen in the football program. The coach can be gone in two years, and he says he's going to be, and then he's gone the next week, gone the next couple, the next year, right. or the next six months. So you got to go to the school first with the academic structure and what you think of. Then the sports comes in there. Because if something happens, at least you got your sport, your, 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 your academics to fall back on in your, in, 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 your, in, in, your, in your road to the degree. That's how you got to think. Period. End of story. Absolutely. That's uh, how I think. And then in combination of all, then you go from there. Because, you know, you can't depend on the coach being there. And, and don't buy what a coach tells you. Don't buy that. You got to know what you need to do, and then you go from there. And then if you have it all together with the academics and the athletics, and you go on and get drafted in the NFL and do that, that that's fine. But how many guys go to the NFL? Oh yeah, it, it, it whittles down, and gets narrower each each step, each level you move up. The the fewer people make it. Absolutely, I mean, there's more parity in college football these days now too. That's the reason why that that's the reason why it's a joke with this playoff stuff. So we'll get into that next. Yeah, but, uh, we're going to talk about that exactly. We're going to talk about that next. You're right about that. So you know that that's that that's my philosophy, and that's what I and, and that's what I tell students, student athletes, and their parents. They talk with people talk to me about that all the time. Matter of fact, I'm you know I'm gonna see a kid and their parents this weekend talking about that just just in passing. We- 
just before we get to the to the playoff system in the in these rankings, uh, one of the other things I, I I hear a lot about, and and I don't know how this works, you know how how the mindset works for this, is a lot of these kids are recruited, uh, you know they've done an outstanding job, uh, you know as quarterback or a wide receiver or whatever, and they and they get recruited, um, and the coach has in his head that this guy is going to be a a free safety, he's going to be a a cornerback, a DB. Uh, are they telling the kids these things on, as they're recruiting them? I, I saw something even on the professional level uh, recently where they said that uh, one team, they used to just go out and draft tackles, you know, just draft draft the best tackle, and if we need a center, we'll teach them how to hike the ball. Um, is that fair, uh, or, or, or is it is just uh, is that just the way the game is designed these days? Well, you're talking, it depends on the player and the, and the coach. You're talking, you're talking about a kid coming out of high school going to college or College going to pro. Uh, mostly coming out of high school, going to college. I, I'll, I'll see a, you know you're, you're watching the game and, and you, you know you'll hear you know this guy you know he's doing this great stuff and they said oh yeah out of high school he played you know quarterback and uh, and he came he came here to SC and they moved him to wide receiver out of high school he was uh, uh, you know a, a defensive lineman and then they and they, they decided they wanted him to drop weight and, and, and turn him into a linebacker and uh, you know uh, granted you know these coaches know what they want and they and they could see something in see talent in people and stuff like that. But is that expressed to the kid during the recruiting process? Depends, it depends on who it is. Now, if he's a five-star athlete, where they talk about five-star, you can't do that. you got to be careful with that. You said, we're going to bring you in here, but we, you might, we, we might be a center. We see the top kids don't want to hear that. Yeah. I'm playing left tackle, that's it. I'm playing linebacker, that's it. I'm being running back, that's it. It depends. Now, if a kid just needs to get to school, get on the team, that's one thing. But if you get the top kids and everybody's pulling on them, but you won't let them play that position. Now, now, now the marginal player, the in between, they're still good enough to come. They can say, "Well, we think about you." Then, you know. But I believe, if you, I believe if you mess around doing that, you, you know, you might have somebody transfer on you. You don't want to do that. You got to be careful. Right. I mean, you got to be careful. Now, if he's a top, if he's a five-star guy, you ain't gonna, you're not going to approach him with that. Right. He's been playing tackle all his life. And that's what he's groomed. That's what he's good. That's that's what he's going to stay. Now he's going to another school. He's going to another school. Look, 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 if they go to the pros, the pros want him as a left tackle. Right. Uh, and now they got to do the mixture because everybody's in. But that's one thing. But if you but if your attitude is to play uh, linebacker, you're going to play linebacker. Now you take you take a kid like Miles Jack at UCLA who's playing both sports. I'm a, I'm, I'm against that. I think he's a better offensive player. I mean, again, he's good at. I think he's good at both. But I think I, I think that uh, in both positions, the line, the longevity is is, is short, and I think you have a shorter life with with linebacker. You have a shorter life with running back. But I think he's a better offensive player than he is playing. And I and I, I and I worry about it because he's on the field too long. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, what he what does he average about uh, six seven yards a carry? I mean, the guy he's a beast out there. And he, he has some of the, the, the hardest hits on defense, and, and he just runs over people on offense. Just remember one thing, Key. Takes one shot. Yeah. And the longer you're on that field, the more the more the chance you're going to get hurt. So I believe you should pick one and go for one and let the NFL know that, you see, you got to admit, if you want to go to the next level, okay, what position they going to – what are they drafting you at? You see, you you, you, you got to come to some conclusion of what you're going to do. Right. I like to see him as a running back. And if you're running, you know, I mean, because of his size, way he moves, how he accelerates inside and out, I like him as a running back. Somebody might like him as a linebacker. But I think you got to make that choice. But back to high school, 
you know, if you're a five-star guy, a recruiter can't mess around like that because you're going to lose. That's my opinion. Right. You're a marginal guy, and that's different. But these big shot kids coming out, no, they, they, they got their focus, and they know what they want. And and, uh, and the recruiters going out telling some stuff like that, you know, you, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. The, the the new rankings came out. Florida State still getting no love. Uh, <laughs> they moved in the only undefeated team in the top four. They they put they pushed TCU ahead of them and uh, moved them down to four. Uh, oh. Uh, the 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 committee the committee they have uh, I think the, the, the TCU's three Florida State's four and I believe uh, uh, who is it Alabama's one and I forgot I have to go back and look but uh, the the new the new thing came out uh, uh, yesterday. Let me say this to you, and as you know how I feel, this this playoff is a joke too. I thought the BCS was bad. This is this even not well. The BCS was bad. I said that's the worst. This is a little better. But let me say this to you. You can't put no, you can't put a Florida State in four. As much as you just like, you can't, it, it's, they, they make it not a political thing. Florida State should be number one. Regardless of what Alabama's doing and TCU and Oregon's doing, come on. Oregon has approved. Okay? You broke up. Say that again? No, no. Oregon has approved to me, period. Because they, you know, first of all, Oregon, the perception Oregon has is a finesse team. Right. Alabama's going on reputation. But it changes from year to year. TCU, who knows? But Florida State, just out of the fact they're, they're undefeated, they should be number one based on the current system. You can't just put them four because, well, they struggled in the fourth. So what? When you're the national champion, you bring the worst. You bring the worst out of you. Bring, you bring the best out of all these teams. You can say what you want about Jameis Winston. Let me tell you something. He is, he is a, he's a monster. He's a beast. And all I'm saying to you, you need a full fledged playoff system, conference to conference. You, what you guys do, you, you, you have you have your conference championship games. You see those guys up, and that's how you do it. You need you need to try to involve everybody in this playoff system, period. So and so exactly they did exactly what we talked about earlier this year, Keith. Right. What they did, they took a team from every conference. You see, notice that the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big the Big Twelve, and you got the ACC. Yep. Four That's... conferences. They're really basically saying they ain't nothing in the, no 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 team in the Big Ten. Who knows? A Big Ten team competing those guys on getting that. I think uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, number at the number five spot is Ohio State, and uh, I, I, you, you get the top four is Alabama, Oregon, TCU, and Florida, and then the uh, then it goes to Ohio State, Baylor, Arizona, and Michigan State. So. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they they uh, you're right. They have one from each one is from a different conference, and uh, you know everybody else is uh, 11 and one, 11 and one, 10 and one, and then uh, Florida State's at number four, 12 and zero. So, what if Arizona beats What if Arizona? What if Arizona beats Oregon this week? What happens then? You you, you the whole thing is screwed up again. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure people. I'm sure people listen to this. This is a mess. How can you have Florida at number, at, at number four, and they're undefeated? They earn. I don't care if it's ten to nine every game. If it's twenty to seventeen every game, as long as they got the win, that's all that matters. Well, what the quality win was? Hey, that's Florida State. They're, they're the reigning national champion. They earned the right to be number one. Yeah, I go, I go back to when it, when it comes to, when it comes to these rankings. I, I'm I'm old school, like old school heavyweight fights, man. You just have to you used to have to knock out the champion to take the belt. <laughs> you couldn't take it on points. You can't, you can't just pick <laughs> someone out of perception and political stuff, or, you know. And, and, and then you got you got people in the community telling people this thing. Come on, what are you thinking about? Come on. They need a full-fledged playoff that incorporate the bowl games. Whatever comes out of the bowl game, they should have the national champion. That's what they do. Everybody will make the money, which is all about the money. Go through the rows, the Fiesta, the Gators, the Orange, and all the rest of them bowls. The top quality bowls have all these playoffs right through the bowls. And whoever comes out of that place with the national championship, you, 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 you can do it. And you start doing it right now as we go. But you've got the conference championship, you can start them right there, going right there. And you're yeah. racking them all up. All through the month of December into January, and in mid-June you have that national championship game. That's how you do it. Well, they they got to so come up. With, they got to come up with I, something. I hope, I hope the listeners tonight agree with me, because every school wants to know they have a shot at making a title. On any given day, anybody can win. Right. It's like the National Football League, and the parity so tight now in college football, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can't say that the FCC is this. You can't see the ACC is this or the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the Big 12 or, or, or Mid-America, whatever that conference is. You just never know. you got quality play in all these conferences. I mean, you might drop off of some of the talent, give and take, but as a whole, and history has proven that, that you can get beat. Yes. Yeah. Boise State against Oklahoma a few years back. I mean, come on. It's a joke. And here, you're talking to a guy who went on, was on two national titles in football, which I wanted to play off back when I was playing. Right. I was pissed off because I wanted another shot at Cal when they tied. <laughs> I knew we were the better team, so I'm just saying, but it, it, it didn't work that way. We went down in record because of the tie. So we didn't be able to recoup and come back, hey, I'm going to knock you off again. And that's what they need to do. Look, look, the game is changing. The demographics are changing. Money is changing. Isn't that what all about at the end of the day? About the money, right? Come on. Well, let's. Uh, let, we've been talking a lot about co- collegiate football. Let's let's kind of move into the NFL for a little bit here before uh, before we start to wrap things up. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff happening in NFL this week. Uh, you got Ray Rice. Uh, was uh, he won? He won his appeal with the, with the judge who said, basically, you guys punished him one way, and then you came back and then. Uh, Punished him a, a second time by a, and, and you can't do that. Uh, what right. are your What are your thoughts on uh, the decision and and uh, will anybody pick him up? Well, this is my thing about about that. This is what I would advise Ray to do. If the team picks him up, I would go on there. But let me tell you something. He ain't really in shape. And Peterson and 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 and, 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 uh, and Peterson the same situation in terms of coming back and being reinstated. If you can come back. But you ain't going to be the same player this year. Now, if you come back, 
And I agree with, with, with the judge and arbitrator that he's, it was wrong. But if he, he can come back this year. But, you know, if I was advising Ray, I said, Ray, don't come back this year. You get ready for 2015. But if you do get picked up, don't, don't expect a whole lot of playing time. Yeah. Because your body's not ready for it. Okay? And, and, and Adrian Peterson, the same thing. You need to sit out the whole year and go to deal, deal with your family and deal with all the babies you have. <laughs> that's what you need to do. And that's what if I was advising him. I mean, it's not being malicious trying to show him up, but it, it's, it's, it's a documented fact that he had several kids. And what I would do, I would get my household in order and come back to 2015. Who knows? You might not even be with, with Minnesota Vikings. That's how I would advise these guys. Don't even come back 2014. We, Just be ready to go. And, you know, and Ray Rice, you need to go appeal and get your money back. Because if they rule that way, you, you you deserve to get your money back. Right. They suspended you with no pay. Agent Peterson is another story. I've heard, uh, I've heard, you know, you said this, and I've heard some other people say it, that, uh, you know, uh, you, you're not you're not ready to, to come out this year. If, if I know that there's, if a guy kept kept himself in shape during a suspension period of time. He's not taking the hits. I, I, I understand that. He's not, in, you know, he's not the, the, the game time hits and stuff. But if he's a professional athlete who, who, who knows how to train and, and, and prepare for his, uh, for his job, uh, yeah. why, why wouldn't he be ready to play? Uh, you know, if, if, if the suspension's over, why wouldn't he not be ready to play? You know, you can, you know, there's a former player, you you, you, know, you can come back, but there's a little something missing, the timing, the rhythm. You know, when, you, you, when you're gone 14 games, right? In 12, whatever the, the number is, you lose a little something. you got to get back in the flow of everything. You know, the rhythm of your game, the cadence, the whole deal. You know, the, 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 it takes a little while. It might take him a game or two to get in the flow. You know, it's, it's like him going in, and if he is in circle top notch shape, you're not working with the team. You know, so right. it, you lose a little bit. I'm just telling you, as a former runner, and these guys happen to be two runners, you can get away with the offensive line a little bit and defensive line. But when it comes to a running back or the defensive back, it's timing, you get the technique proper, the whole deal. It takes a while to come back in the floor of the game. Yeah. And, and you know, and you know, the other eleven players have been playing pretty pretty tight together while you've been gone. So they 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 kind of know what each other's doing right away, and you and you're gonna kind of have to fit back in. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. You know, Adrian Peterson is a freak of nature. He's a beast. Ray Rice, he's, he was part of a system. But the thing is, it's gonna take the time to get it back together. You got to get in the game emotionally, mentally. I mean, you've got to be distracted for so long. I mean, I know they're hungry to get back, but. But still, it's a whole rhythm thing, and it's a whole conditioning thing. I mean, you can condition the condition, but you still ain't conditioning for four quarters. I mean, I don't know what you're doing out there. It, 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 I don't know how I can explain it. It's, it's game play and it's practice play. Right. You know, so don't get me wrong. I mean, I could be wrong, but, but my experience is that you got to be in the flow of everything. Um, as 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 a student of the game, which you are, uh, and, and you've seen I it all, so. <laughs> what's what, what's happening with my Raiders, man? Uh, <laughs> the, the, well, they, they are they they are just, they're just horrible, and uh, you know, you got, we saw a little we saw a little daylight two weeks ago, and they won a game, and then they 
they bounce right back out and give up 52 points and score nothing. Well, here, here it is with the Raiders. It's simply with the Raiders. How many coaches they've had in 10 years? Maybe five? Yeah, at least. Something like that. Well, I can't even, I don't even lost count. Listen, the thing is, you can't have those many coaches. You got, look, let's look at all the different coaching philosophies. Look at the, all the different systems. You know, look, the Raiders have talented players. In any case, the NFL is talented players. You know, I get tired of people, you know, I, I hear these commentators talking about, oh, they stink. These guys, hey, these guys can play. But if you don't have a comprehensive system in place where it's repetitious, where everybody's on the same page, without new coaches coming in one week or two weeks or next year or two years or whatever it is, you're not going to have a good cohesive team. They're not going to do anything right. I'm going to go back to Bill Belichick. See how consistent Belichick's been for 13 years? Yeah. When he has missing pieces, he plugs them, and then the player catches on. It's like having it's like having a puppy fall on a mother. They fall in sync. Well, when you have a team full of players, you got free agents coming in and out, and you're trying to teach a new system, and you get you get rid of this coach two years later, and you got somebody else coming in. That throws your whole team off. Then you got a new quarterback like Carr, trying to get in sync with the team. That's still learning a new system. You can't you can't do it. Right. We're not the Raiders of old because they've been so dysfunctional. Not because of the talent's not there, it's because of administratively, in my opinion. You can't be switching coaches like that every every other two years. I believe that they kept Gruden there. Oh, yeah. Just walked with him. They just kept him there. I think the team has been even more successful. I think that I think they might have a couple of Super Bowls now. Yeah, that's... And that's what's wrong. Raiders is from the administrative standpoint, from it's, it's it's right there to coaching. That's where it is. It's not the players. It's the coaching. They got to build their brand within the brand of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, that's, that's what the Patriots said. I, and I will refer back to the Patriots because I think the Patriots are the best team in football on a consistent basis. They've been to five Super Bowls. They've had the most winning percentage in the last 13 years, Belichick. And he's, and he's the most senior coach in the league. So you got to go back. And everybody should take note what the Patriots do. Everybody's got their old ego and so well, I'm going to do it this way. And like, well, if your way ain't working and you have five or six coaches in 10, 13 years, you're not going to win anything. Right. You're not going to win. you got disgruntled players. You, you know, and a lot of these guys, what they do, and I know as a former player, some guys say, well, hey, you know, they're not gonna, if they're not going to put me in a position to win and they're going to keep changing coaching, I'm just going to collect my money until they get rid of me. That's what these guys do. <laughs> That's what happened. Uh. The relationship. The complacency sits in, and they just start collecting the paycheck. Yeah. Uh, well, basically what they do, they're working out just to get paid. There's no incentive to go out and try to win or whatever because everybody's not on the same page. That's horrible. Then, you know, you got good organizations, you got better. Not because of the players, because those guys got players. Players got some serious players out there that are good. If you get to that level, you can play. Right. And like I told you before, there's plenty of guys out and walking the streets that can play in the National Football <laughs> in Canada with practice squads. And, and, and that's a myth. People tell me, well, this guy's strange. These guys can play. Yeah. I can name you two guys right now that can be in the National Football League. It's coaching. We, 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 we saw. Uh, uh, right now, huh? and, 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 and I believe he's better than Tony Romer. A guy named Rudy Carr. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw, we saw we saw a kid a couple of weeks ago who. Uh, 
I forgot what team he was on, but he'd been on the practice squad for for all season long or maybe a couple seasons, and two guys got hurt ahead of him, and he comes up and he, and he just lights it up on the field. Sick. He just, I'm telling all you folks, that's a myth. There's players that can play everywhere. They try to put that political myth out there and that propaganda that these guys, if you're not on the roster, you can't play. Well, just, I got news for you. They can play. Just like you just said, kids going to practice for two years, bouncing around, all of a sudden he lights it up. That's what happens. Yeah. That's what goes on. Happens all the time. Like in the NBA, the D League. They got guys. Look, come on. If you got guys like Jeremy Lin with the Lakers, don't you think you got guys in the D League can play better than better than him or more? It's more. Come on. There's, as you as you as you frequently say, there's guys walking the street that can play a lot of these professional teams because uh, uh, the talent's out there. Um, talent, yeah. It, 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 there's so much good talent now. It becomes political. You got to be in the right place, the right time, the right programs. Especially come out of school, you got to be developed a certain thing, and you know, it becomes a political base. That, that, that's what I believe. Tell me, what is AD talking about? Well, I mean, I've watched, I've watched it evolve over the years, and in a form of prayer, I see it. And then it comes down to money and all kind of stuff, how structured contracts. You, you take like Tony Rome. I mean, in my opinion, Jerry Jones was was, was committed to him because of all the money he gave to him. Yeah. Not that he was so much of a hot shot quarterback, because I believe was a couple guys in their camp who were better than he was. That's just my opinion. But when money changes the deal too, the money contract changes how these guys are played and how they move. You might be the best player in the world, but if you don't have the structured contract and you don't have the money committed to you, you're not going to play. Right. That's just the way it is. Right. Uh, last, last but not least, uh, I, I, I was reading, uh, it might have been the same article I mentioned earlier, uh, an article, uh, you know, the, the talk all week had been the, the big comeback, uh, you know, you had against uh, Notre Dame in 74, but I understand that's not the greatest comeback game you ever played in. They said uh, you had a bigger comeback uh, in a baseball game. Yeah, well, they, they tried to say we played against Minnesota, Minnesota, uh, University of Minnesota with Dave Nichols pitching. We were down seven up. We won the game uh, eight to seven, and won the national title. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it, it didn't get the fanfare of, of my foot, of football exploits, but uh, yeah, we came back and uh, and beat them. Went on, won the national title, and Dave Winkle was the beast. And uh, he, he was here's the guy that got drafted in three sports. So uh, yeah, that was a great comeback. Had some great All Americans, some great future pros on that team. Nice. Well, AD, as always, it's it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you. We want to remind everybody that your book is out, Kickoff Concussion: How the Notre Dame Killer. Uh, hey, I gotta I gotta read this because I'll mess it up. Recovered his brain, and it's on Lulu.com, and you could also click to it from uh, SwoopsRoll.com on on the post that says AD is a guest tonight. And of course, we'll be chatting with you again next week, man. Absolutely, thank you, Keith. Thanks a lot, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Davis, uh, like I said, you get a chance to check out his book. He's with us each week. Uh, you know, he usually comes on for about 10, 15 minutes each week, and we, we, kind of t- we you know, touch on the latest sports things. But uh, we, we had a chance to speak to him, to him for a whole hour tonight, and uh, we totally appreciate that and enjoy that. We'll be back next week uh, on Super Late Night with the guest Black Belt Karate. You can also tune in Friday night. We'll be live uh, from 7 from seven o'clock. 
Uh, we'll be broadcasting live from First Fridays here in Long Beach at the, in Bixby Knowles from the Mir- Mirage Mediterranean Grill. And uh, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Until then, uh, everybody uh, stay safe out there. Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. Thanks for tuning in. And that's going to do it for us. We'll see you again next week. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 